Hey, hey, water coolers! Welcome back to a- another episode of Water Cooler Talk. In today's episode, we bring back Sam Rosemark to focus on positivity. In our conversation, we cover an article that mentions how 80% of Americans feel the country is out of control. Talking before the episode, we we both kind of remarked on how that number fell way too high. And in turn, we used our conversation to focus on what's going right in the U.S. and how we can regain control as a unified country. And then our conversation turns to Christopher Columbus and the removal of Confederate statues that has been has really been prevalent across news stations, not just not just domestically in the U.S., but is really being covered globally in almost it's kind of cool. It's like an almost a shared experience of togetherness. And from that conversation, we built upon the ideas of our history as Americans, obviously, as we celebrate our independence this weekend, but also as humans. In addition to what I say in the episode with Sam, I I have a few words that, you know, I thought important to add as a part of this episode's introduction. As we become more unified and accepting of our neighbor, we must grant ourselves the opportunity to grow. With growth comes change. It is more than okay that we change our mind as we are presented with new information, as actions are seen through new lenses. A better, more just future constructs itself on the building blocks of change. We follow the voice of us, the people. We are allowed to be proud of our history, but we must understand that history gives us the opportunity to change, to be better. As we celebrate America's independence, remember that America is a country who has been toppling down statues from its very beginning. Removing statues is not about the editing of our racist past. We are a country built on the backs of our forefathers who built America on the backs of slaves. Our history is not perfect. We made mistakes. But there is a clear difference between learning from those mistakes and celebrating those mistakes. There are a few humans in history that will be memorialized as statues until the end of our days. And I think that's a few too many. Our future allows us the opportunity to replace those names once thought immortal to allow a new leader to take their mantle and lead humanity's hopes and dreams. And that's okay. From the ashes of history, we are reborn, anew, better. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, this is Water Cooler Talk episode 42, titled Positive Consumption, with Sam Rosemark. Enjoy. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not, because they're real. Uh, Sam, so a lot of what we're going to talk about today, as I just mentioned, will be like positives. Okay. Uh, yep. But before we begin, you know, it's been 17 months, I think. It was January 20th, wow, down in the months. 2019, 15 months ago. Oh, okay. So gotcha. what's been positive in your life since then? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, we only do good questions here. Oh, of course, of course. I think one positive is that you know I was elected for a second term as president of the student body for the University of Minnesota Morris. So that's been really great. I get another year. To, you know, help make positive change. The other positive thing would be you know we got a, recently got a new family dog named Sully. He's been really great. He's full of energy. It's a nice positive. Uh, thing to have. Do you have photos of them on your Twitter? Um, I don't think I do on my Twitter. No. Well, people are going to be very disappointed when they want to go to your Twitter later. I know. Maybe I'll have to throw some. You on have there, to put something on there. Yeah. Well, all right, Sam. Are you ready to jump right back into the old water cooler talk? Yeah. Shindig. Let's, let's let's do it. All right. This first story is from Axios from June seventh, twenty twenty. 
80% of voters think the U.S. is spiraling out of control. According to a poll of 1,000 registered voters by the Wall Street Journal and NBC News, 80% of Americans believe the current situation in the United States is out of control. Uh, for those who may say that 1,000 registered voters are not a fair representation of the 153 million plus voters that were registered to vote for the previous 2018 U.S. election, based on the magic of statistics to have a fair and equal representation for a much larger group of individuals, 1,000 registered voters has a margin of error about 3%. A margin of error compensates for the imperfection of the sample compared with the population. So based on our data mentioned with the included margin of error, between 77 to 83% of Americans believe the current situation in the United States is out of control. I just wanted to point that out there because there's some people, you know, they say they see a thousand people and they don't think that's an equal representation of the whole uh, population there. Yeah, no, I think that's really important to point out and to go into the statistics there. I think a lot of people don't, don't think about that. Uh, to be clear, the data does not specify on the meaning of out of control. Hence, this does not mean that those 80% of registered voters agree on how the U.S. is spiraling out of control. Continuing from the poll, the poll shows that the dual crisis of the coronavirus pandemic and racial unrest have Americans pessimistic about the state of the country. Out of the registered voters polled, 92% of Democrats, 78% of Independents, and 66% of Republicans believe the previously mentioned statement of the country being out of control. However, according to the poll, the pandemic and protest have been a relatively minor impact on President Trump's job approval rating, which now sits at 45% from registered voters. At the same time of former President Obama's first term in office, he sat at 48%. So, Sam, bringing it back to that margin of error example, uh, of the 1,000 registered voters included in this poll, that would mean it is possible Trump and Obama have had the same approval rating for the beginning of June of the end of their first term. Just trying to be fair here. Mm -hmm. But at the time of this poll being taken, Joe Biden, who will oppose Donald Trump in the 2020 U.S. election, had a 7% lead with 49% compared to Trump at 42%. Finally, the registered voters reflected in the data that Joe Biden would be the preferred candidate to unify the country but Donald Trump would be the preferred candidate to restore the economy. Uh, and then just a disclaimer, something I want to continue to mention when using studies and polls is there will always be some sort of bias. Uh, this we know. I will do my best to use sources that are rated high in the reporting. As for the source of this article, Axios, uh, it has a left-center bias, but their factual reporting is rated very high. Uh, so Sam, what do you think What do you think potentially 77 to 83% of the population of the U.S. is feeling this way? Yeah, I mean, people are unhappy on on both sides i think that's a really good point that you pointed out that it doesn't specify what you know out of control means so people that maybe lean more on the right side or you know maybe mad about you know the the protests or it could be anything or they're mad about um let's see no I, de I mean i definitely if you don't mind me picking up there i definitely can see yeah you good point on like you know it's not a clear definition of what's out of control so somebody on the left may see something out of control that somebody on the right may not see that same way. Right, exactly. So, you know, people on both sides are upset and, you know, they want to see change. I think people, you know, are looking for the plan forward. They want to see someone that's going to you know, start unifying the country and get everyone to start agreeing on policies and start, you know, advancing us forward to you know, a more more better place for everyone. A lot of people are seeing what's happening just all across the country. And obviously, it's an election year this year. And I think, you know, people get ramped up on wanting change in an election year because there's so many promises made. So I think both sides are like, we want to get better. But 
how do we get better? Mm-hmm. I think this way is the way to do it. And then the other side's like, well, this way is the way to do it. And then, like you said, you kind of need that unifying voice to bring those two sides together and find some commonplace medium that can move the country forward instead of moving the country back or keeping it at a standstill. And I think people are mad too because, you know, we're currently experiencing two two pandemics. You know, we have the pandemic of COVID and then there's the pandemic of like systemic racism um, that we're that that we're seeing. So that's already going to make people even even more upset. And I think that's what this, you know, polling shows. Like we've talked about before on the podcast, kind of how with everybody being stuck inside that, you know, we're continually watching the worst of the worst, what's going on in the US. And then you're like, wow, the US is in total shambles when really it's not. There's some somebody said, like, you know, we watch the news and all these bad things are happening, but just outside our window, like a bird is chirping and the sun is shining. And like, as you said, those two combinations of being locked up or not locked up, but being quarantined because of COVID and then the political unrest that's or the racial unrest that's happening in our very streets here in Minnesota. I think people are seeing the news cycle kind of create the worst of the worst. And then it's like, wow, it's not looking good for us. It's out of control. Just by the nature of it, you know, bad news gets usually the most coverage. So yeah, when you turn on your your TVs at night, which a lot of people do or read the headlines that pop up on your phone or um, that you see in the papers, it's usually negative just because that's what grabs people's attention. And, you know, people want to, you know, use the headlines. They want to use what's in the media to to prove their points. And, you know, that's on top of the battle that we're seeing between like politicians and the media. That's increasing that frustration on top of, you know, how we have these these two really bad events happening, you know, these two pandemics happening. I think those are exposing a lot of the the failures that we have like in our in our society and our systems that people are you know starting to see more and it's heightening it things for like sick pay for people that may be sick because of covid or um again with the with the racial un- unrest and systemic racism so i think that's all being exposed and it's you know being highlighted and you know people are are just you know fed up with it i guess and they want to see change and they want to you know, move forward in a positive way. But, you know, that's hard to do given the divisive rhetoric. You know, the media is reporting like the facts. There's definitely some bias there, but, you know, they're they're not there to bring people together necessarily. Well, yeah, it's like even I've had friends from Africa and, you know, in Europe who are like messaging me and be like, so your city's just in flames. And it's like, well, no, right. that's just what gets people to view mm-hmm. the news. It's like all these bad stories and the riots and the looting. But really, you know, so much of Minnesota came together for the situation that once that started happening and all the rioting and the looting stopped and all the fires, they stopped reporting on that because yeah. that's not interesting to them. So it is one of those things where, you know, kind of the perception of what's going on makes it seem like everything is out of control. When really, you know, once you look outside, the sun's shining, like I I got sunburned like crazy the other day, (laughs) you know, birds are chirping, you know, people are playing, albeit, you know, six feet apart, but there's a lot good going on. And I think we just have to stop putting out that idea that it's not. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a really good point. You know, I think a lot of people are, you know, having a good time on outdoors and, you know, we just had Father's Day and they're experiencing that good, good family time together. And they're finally being able to go out and, you know, go to a patio and hang out. 
do a little uh, weekend drinking, you know. The family went out for, you know, beers and we were all being safe. And But it was still fun to get out and exactly. not, you know, be stuck inside with, you know, having to watch the news or not even just disconnecting altogether. Well, what are what are the positives people should be looking forward to in these times? I think that's a really good question. I think it's a really, really tough question. I think we should be looking forward to, you know, to see what comes out of this really difficult situation, this really difficult time. We should be looking forward to what things are going to change and um, be hopeful that good things will happen in, in the future. And I think we should be looking forward to things getting back to normal. It should be, you know, a new normal, um, a more just normal. I think people are looking forward to getting together with their friends, their family. You know, university students are looking forward to being back on campus in the fall. People should be looking forward to election day. That's coming up pretty, pretty quickly. You, I mean, you're already seeing a lot of uh, ads already. So we should be looking forward to, you know, exercising our our right to vote and picking who we want to unify the country and lead the country forward. Going back to a little bit what you said prior is in this time, we're seeing a lot of what's wrong, mm -hmm. but I think we're also seeing a lot of what people want in life. You know, for those people who aren't essential workers and were able to stay home and get, you know, unemployment and actually get a decent living, right. you know, people could buy food that they wanted to buy that made them feel healthy. They could, you know, pay off debt, they could invest, they could go on trips. The Great American Outdoors Act was passed in the Senate, which would give funding to help cover the $20 billion in delayed maintenance programs for all of our national parks. So, you know, there are there are a lot of good things happening. I think you just kind of have to weed your way through all the bull crap to kind of get to what's good happening. I think a lot of people are, as you, as you said, they're seeing what needs to change. They see what they like, they see what they want. And hopefully... Hopefully, once things get back to normal or somewhat normal, however that does look, people will fight for what they want. Because, you know, even talking about like the 40-day work week and minimum wage, and we're seeing how better people feel and how better, you know, people actually want to support the country when they feel like they have some financial freedom. I think that's a huge part of what we've seen from this is just the financial freedom of, you know, not everyone, but I would say a good majority of Americans who once struggled paycheck to paycheck to be able to afford rent, to be able to afford food. And now, you know, obviously the $600 ends in what, end of July. Mm -hmm. um, I know they're talking about a new um, relief bill. Obviously, with the uh, elections coming up, they'll probably have something done by the election time. I think that's a good representation of what people want. They want to be treated for their worth instead mm -hmm. of being pushed down and stepped upon for this capitalist market to make another billionaire. Yep, exactly. I mean, I think you made really good points there. And, you know, again, people are getting paid now, you know, better than they would have been even on, you know, unemployment and whatnot. But I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that's showing people how poorly people get paid um, when it comes to like minimum wage, you know, the $600 a week plus whatever you get for unemployment. That's an amount that people need to like live on and their normal job, they're working, you know, multiple jobs, um, and they're not even making that. So I, I don't think we should be thinking, oh, they're just getting, you know, more handouts, yada, yada, yada. Um, it should be, well, this is how things should be. Mm -hmm. And for the companies that aren't doing that, who aren't paying their employees well, while well, paying their, you know, CEOs and executives huge, large amounts of money, even using, you know, bailout money to pay those big execs and CEOs. Um, you know, shame on them, essentially. I, I'll use myself as an example, but 
because of this, you know, extra money and the financial freedom, I've been able to spend more in the economy. Like right now we're, you know, first time recording in my somewhat finished podcast room. Yeah, it's looking really good. <laughs> Thank you. But I've had the time and the money to do so. You know, people who haven't had to go to work and still have that financial freedom. I think that's why we saw so many people out protesting and peaceful protesting and, you know, going out is because they actually had the time to do so. And it'll be interesting when it comes down to, you know, obviously in November, early November, when it comes time to vote, what's what's everything looking like as far as people back to work? Are they still, you know, in quarantine and how will that affect the vote? I think those are things to think about, but staying, trying to stay to the positives, I think it's just allowed people the opportunity to actually live their lives and mm -hmm. feel like they're not stuck. Yeah. I mean, I was able to pay off my credit card. I was able to pay off my car. That's been really great. Definitely gives me more financial latitude and more opportunity to, to do things and to support people. Yeah. And I think also, you know, like we just talked about, you know, we've been able to do more family things and we're planning more family things to replace the things that are now canceled, like the beer dabbler. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, this has helped bring people together. Obviously, you know, there's some situations where it's probably not the greatest situation for people to be together. For, but I would say for the majority, you know, being able to like check in on family and be like, hey, how are you doing? You know, what can I help? You know, even, you know, our own grandma, it's like people have been checking on her and like, hey, can I get you groceries or do you want to go on a walk or can I just swing by or something like that? You know, it's helped people reconnect with people too. And even going to dating, I mean, it's been, you know, you have to kind of get to know someone now. You can't just meet up with them and go to the next stage after that. You have to actually talk to them and get to know them. So I think there's a lot of positives that, you know, people are kind of overlooking because it seems like there's so many negatives, but there's so many more positives. Yeah. I think one really great thing that, um, that's come out of this is that's coming out of COVID-19 is, you know, we're all starting to use technology more to stay connected. Uh, we didn't really do that as much. So yeah, like our grandmother is starting to learn FaceTime, which, <laughs> you know, she's yeah. doing a good job. Uh -huh. Um, but, you know, I'm staying connected with my friends through Zoom and we're playing uh, virtual games mm -hmm. like Jack in the Box games. And that's been really fun. Normally, you know, I wouldn't be really doing that. I would just kind of be doing my own summer thing. Um, so I think uh, we're better using we're using technology better. I mean, a lot of companies even are announcing that they're going to let more employees work from home for the ongoing future. And that's definitely a, a possible positive to come out of all this. Well, like what can people like me and you do to ensure the American people feel more at ease that we are in quote control and that we are a country more unified than divided? Yeah, that's a tough we question. We only ask tough questions here. So. <laughs> wow. You know how it works. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. So what, what can we do to make things feel a lot more secure um, and, and comfortable? Uh, one one thing we can do is you know continuously you know check up on each other, stay in touch with each other, make those make those connections and keep those connections going. I think we're humans, we're social creatures. I think it's really important that we you know talk to our friends and have those you know uplifting interactions. I think it's also comforting to know that for the most part, you know our politics and our you know system is set up where the voice of the people is heard and it's you know executed on if you're feeling the country's out of control um know that you can you know control your vote and you can control who you vote for you can control who you advocate for you can control you know your beliefs your values with the election coming up um know that you know you have that opportunity now granted there's some some you know issues within that that still need to be worked out you know mail-in voting um other things like that but again 
those issues can be solved by you know using your vote, your voice to advance what you want advanced to help the country. I think you hit the nail on the head and kind of adding on to that. Oh my gosh, I just forgot what I was about to say. Uh, but no, I think you, I, you did hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, now is the time to really communicate with people. And you have the time, you know, most of us aren't back to work yet. You have the time to do it. I think we're seeing more of those conversations happening. Definitely even looking at the situation with George Floyd. I know I've had a ton of conversations with people who, you know, previously weren't comfortable about saying anything. It's like, what do I do in this situation? You know what? If you feel like you're in a situation where you feel the US is out of control, talk to someone that inspires you to be a better person. I know you're one of those people, Sam. You're, you know, always sharing good information. And then also, I think one of the most important things is if you feel like the US is out of control, just try changing up what you're watching. Try changing up the information you're consuming. You know, I talk about it a lot, but allsides.com is a perfect place to kind of get a news story from all sides and kind of see how that bias works, you know, left, right, center. Um, but yeah, just kind of changing up what you're watching. Maybe just not watch the news for a few days. You know, it's beautiful now in the US, obviously in other parts of the world. I don't know because we don't live there. But, you know, get outside, you know, stop consuming the news for a few days. You're not going to miss anything. And then, yeah, I, obviously when it comes to the election, there's going to be a lot of... <sighs> It sucks to say, but a lot of very negative political ads from both sides. They're already starting, yeah. Uh, from both sides, no no bias either way. Both sides do it. Just don't consume that media. It, it It's hard to say because a lot of people have the time. They're watching TV and they're watching movies and there's a lot of Facebook and the political ads on Facebook and on Twitter and Instagram, whatever. It's just, you just kind of have to step away. I think that's, you know, the advice I can give is step away and have conversations with other people and learn and grow and try to be, you know, a more informed person, not just because it's a voting year, but just because you're seeing that things need to change. You're seeing it if you're watching the news, things need to change and it's time for you to kind of educate yourself and become a more invested person in the US so it doesn't feel like the US is out of control. Maybe, you know, that's my point. I feel like yeah. if people are thinking the U.S. is out of control, maybe they just ha don't have a good enough grasp on how being in control feels. Yeah, I think those are really good points. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, your point about, you know, people should be uh, more educated voters or, you know, that sort of thing. I think that's especially true for young people. It's well known that young people vote at like the lowest percentages. That's starting to change. And, you know, we saw that in the last midterm. I think people are starting to learn um, now that they're seeing the impacts of these policies. Young people always say, you know, well, why should I vote? It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. Yada, yada, yada. Well, it does. And we're seeing that right now. And if you want something to change, well, you have to vote and you have to have uh, you have to put that person in power that, you know, you want uh, to help make that change in terms of you know, like political ads and that sort of thing. Um, I think it's really easy to buy into like the narrative that they're putting out there. Propaganda, if you would, from the campaigns. Um, I think it's really important to take a step back and to think, is this really true? Because, you know, they're just taking the snippets and the things that are going to make the person look the worst. Mm -hmm. So that's really important to know to that's really important to acknowledge and, you know, to not buy into that, essentially. That's a very good point. 
Well, I would like to welcome to the show Sam Rosemark. Sam double majors in political science and economics at the University of Minnesota Morris. While also being involved in many different parts of student government around campus, including being student body president for two consecutive terms, junior and senior year. Sam, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much, Adam. Uh, as a second term student body president at the University of Minnesota Morris, coming out of the first round of COVID, you've been dealing with issues of campus life away from Morris. You were on a panel with the president of the University of Minnesota, Joan Gable, to work towards getting students back on track. What's been the message of hope to students that were here for you and fighting to make sure you're not only treated with respect and equality on campus, but also being kept safe and healthy? Yeah, that's that's a, a really good question again. Yeah, so I've been serving on a work group um, that was charged by the University of Minnesota President Joan Gable on, you know, essentially uh, figuring out what our strategic plan is going to be for the next, you know, two to five years on how we overcome like the effects and impacts of COVID nineteen. We're looking a lot at <clears throat> uh, we're looking a lot at how do we keep the university a university of choice in terms of pricing, content, and, and modality, and how do we double down in areas that help the state of Minnesota? You know, in agriculture, healthcare, obviously, in um, and sustainability. So I think what we're really trying to do is we're trying to show, you know, that the university is still a really, a really great place that is here for the students that are here to help students grow, that are here to help students learn while keeping things affordable and making sure everyone feels welcome on campus. I think that's a, I think that's a good answer to that. Um Sam, I want to keep this up so light before we get into the atrocities of Christopher Columbus. Oh, no. You can say no, but you probably shouldn't say no because that will take away my whole <laughs> spiel here. Okay. Do you want to be a contestant on the number one rated game show, the number one rated summer game show in the world? I mean, don't fact check that. Do you want to get into the driver's seat and potentially win a car? I mean, of course. Why not? I mean, I would love a car. <laughs> what's, the, what's the car? Uh, we'll, we'll get there. For today's episode, which is sponsored by every chain restaurant besides Applebee's, because Applebee's the neighborhood grill, more like Applebee's the neighborhood microwave. Am oh, I right, Sam? hang on now. Uh, but thanks to the sponsors who are fortunate enough to bring back the wildly popular hit game show, Is This a New Story from the Onion, or Is It As Real As Your Grandma's Bunion? The game show Ooh. where we ask you, is this new story title the result of our world crumbling down around us? Or was it just written by a guy named Dave? Sam, today you have an opportunity to play for our studio car. Oh, wow. You know, a few winners so far, but Noe has taken it. Uh, I don't know why. It's a real car. Mm. Uh, it's new-ish, uh, but you will be playing for the car today. The goal of the game will be for you to guess if the title of each of the five news stories I read is either real or fake. Okay. If you correctly guess three or more, you're going home with our new-ish car. But if you are unable to reach the three correct guess mark, you'll be going home with the worst prize imaginable. Oh, no. Yes, that's right, Sam. A $15 gift card to Applebee's. Oh. So, Sam, are you ready to play Is This New Story from the Onion, or is it as real as your grandma's bunion? I'm very ready to play, but I do want to go on record and just say that I would be happy to get a $15. <laughs> I am cutting that out. <laughs> I would be happy to get that a $15. That is propaganda, Sam. <laughs> they have half-price apps, and they're they're good. They're microwavable food. It is microwave, but it's still half-price apps. Their bonus ones are pretty good. We're getting paid more money these days, Sam, so we shouldn't be... <laughs> Hucking down to the, the slums of Applebee's. All right, let's get to the game. This is the first news story title. Is it real or is it from The Onion? Did I miss anything? A man emerges from a 75-day silent retreat in Vermont. Sam, is that real or is it fake? I'm going to go with real. Ding, ding, ding. You hey. are correct. One on the board there, Sam. Two more and you win our car. Wow. This is news story titled number two. 
Study finds gap widening between rich pets and poor Americans. Ooh. Is that you know, real or I fake? Feel, I feel like that's a real headline. I feel like that might actually be happening. So I'm going to go with real on that one. Ooh, <laughs> Sam, that oh. is an onion headline written by Dave. Oh, no, Dave. Okay. All right, three more. You have to go two for three. Two out of three. Okay. New story title number three. Excessive masturbation is Chinese army's latest headache. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, that sounds like an onion story real or fake is that your final answer i'm gonna go with a fake that is a real story that is happening over in china really i also heard that they're training monkeys to shoot guns that sounds awesome (laughs) all right sam you're gonna have to go two for two here to win the studio car or you're gonna get a 15 dollars gift card to applebee's which new story titled number four Texas deputy charged with slapping man after telling man to slap him first. Is this news title real or fake? I think it is. I think it's real. It is real. There we go. All right. We are down to the final news story. If you get this one right, Sam, you're going to win our studio car here. I know you just paid off your car. I did. But... You know I'm what ready you can to do with the second one. car? Yeah. I don't know. What's don't the, what's the mile per gallon on that? What's um, the you know what? MPG? I'm not a car guy here, oh, okay. but I think oh. I heard somewhere where it's 76. Oh, wow. Okay. All right, Sam. This is news story title number five. Yeah, it's way too much. I don't even, that, that was a way high guess. <laughs> no, that, that sounds That's how right. much it's, I know about cars. It sounds like it's a plug-in hybrid. That's yeah. what it sounds mm-hmm. like. This is news story title five. Real or fake? Mental health experts... <laughs> It was just Father's Day. It was just Father's Day, as you know. Mental health experts advise on best way to combat thoughts of your father naked. Oh, wow. You know, I feel like Dave would write that. I think it's fake. Sam? Uh-oh. You're going home with a new oh, car! Yes! Woo! I gotta contact my insurance agent. Thank yeah, you. I don't know if this is gonna record in the actual audio, but uh, we had our crowd, our live studio audience crowd, cheer you on there. Uh, well, that's another episode within an episode of the Hit Summer Game Show. Is this a news story from The Onion, or is it as real as your grandma's bunion? Catch us next time when we have Nicolas Cage on the show to ask him if he's real, or just a human android coded by The Onion. See you next time, folks. Listeners, if you'd like to connect with Sam, you can do so by following him on Twitter at srosemark. Once again, that's at srosemark on Twitter. Or if you want to be a bit more professional about it, you can connect with him on LinkedIn at Samuel James Rosemark. And as always, those links will be included in the description of this episode and available under Sam's episode on our website, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Once again, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Uh, before we move on, Water Cooler Talk is on a mission to help give back to different parts of the community and those who have helped build our show to where it stands today. For each episode, the guests will bring with them a charity of their choice to represent. On the day of the episode going live, Water Cooler Talk will give a donation to the charity in the guest's name, as well as a global platform to spread a message of love, hope, and togetherness. And we hope you listening to this episode can join in donating even $5 to the guest charity or help spread their message to a bigger audience. Sam, your charity of choice for today's episode is Rock the Vote. Do you mind explaining a bit about what they do and how they have an impact in our community? Yeah, so Rock the Vote is a really great, well-known organization. Um, They do a lot of work around getting out the vote. Uh, which is going to be really crucial in the upcoming election, um, especially when it comes into absentee ballots and mail-in voting. You know, across the country, it's not really sure how that's going to look, but it's really important that people know that you know that's an option. They don't have to sacrifice their their safety and health in order to vote. So I think it's really great, you know, that Rock the Vote is doing the work that they're doing. I'm sure they'd be really appreciative of your donation. Well, I appreciate you sharing them on the podcast there, Sam. All right, Sam, are you ready to jump into some Christopher Columbus? Yes. 
Let's do it. All right, our final news story of the day is from Chris Six News Corpus Christi. This is from June 18th, 2020. Petition underway to rename Columbus, Ohio Flavor Town as city removes Christopher Columbus statue. After Columbus, Ohio's mayor, Andrew Ginther, announced that the city's statue of Christopher Columbus will come down, a petition with almost 100,000 signatures has made its way across the internet asking for the mayor to rename Columbus after one of its fortunate sons, Guy Fieri. As the U.S. comes to grip with a history of racism since the founding, uh, quotes on that, of America by Christopher Columbus in 1492, his legacy and action in doing so have come into focus and under scrutiny. Many historians actually believe the Norse explorer Leif Erikson led the first European expedition to North America nearly 500 years before the birth of Christopher Columbus in 999. But even before, I don't know if you knew this one, Sam, mm. even before Erikson, it is said Bjarn Herjolfsson, Herjolfsson, Herjolfsson was the first European to discover America. He was a merchant, but he did it merely by accident. Well, uh Christopher Columbus also discovered America back. Very true. do have that in common. During the discovery of America, whether it be Columbus or Erickson, nomadic tribes occupied the lands of North America and had a combined population of under 60 million. So there's a lot of people already here, uh, as we might get into into our discussion. But back to statues. The Christopher Columbus statue at Columbus City Hall is among several across the country that have been slated to be taken down, including in San Francisco and Sacramento. In addition to statues of Christopher Columbus being taken down, across the U.S., statues of Confederate leaders have been torn down as well. Uh, Buildings are being renamed and such as well. Christopher Columbus, taught as an American hero for generations and the man to sail the ocean blue in 1492, has had his accomplishments re-examined as over the years historians have accused Columbus of participating in slavery, murder, and other atrocities against nomadic tribes. Many of those taught the catchy rhyme to remember Columbus's trip across the ocean, were never taught he returned a year later in 1493 with an invasion force to install himself as viceroy of the islands we now call Haiti in the Dominican Republic and install a regime that instituted policies of slavery and extermination of the native population. Uh, a native population who were called the Taino that once held 8 million strong were down to 100,000 by the time Columbus left his position in the Caribbean seven years later in 1500. So Sam, you know how we had that catchy tune for Columbus sails the ocean blue in 1492. I came up with a new one. Oh, wow. Uh, So I want to hear what you think. Columbus again sailed the ocean blue one year after 1492. And in this year of 1493, brought with him a pillaging infantry. That's good. I like that. I think that should be the new one. Schools can use that. Uh, I will take royalties, though. But nothing's for free in this this society. No free lunch. Mayor Andrew Ginther wrote, For many people in our community, the statues represent patriarchy, oppression, and divisiveness. That does not represent our great city. And we will no longer live in the shadow of our ugly past. Now is the right time to replace the statue with artwork that demonstrates our enduring fight to end racism and celebrate the themes of diversity and inclusion. As for the renaming of Columbus, Ohio to Flavortown, Ohio, the petition reads, Columbus is an amazing city, but one whose name is tarnished by the very name itself. Why not rename the city Flavortown? The new name is twofold. For one, it honors Central Ohio's proud heritage as a culinary crossroads, and one of the nation's largest test markets for the food industry. Secondly, Chef Liberty, I don't know why they just didn't use Celebrity Chef, Guy Ferri was born in Columbus. Uh, Flavor Town is Ferri's. Uh, that's, I think, how you say it, actually. It's true. <laughs> wow, okay. Catchphrase when you often hear him say on one of the episodes of his food travel show, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Uh, Sam, yes or no, Flavor Town? I'm all for it. I think this is a great idea. I think it would... You know, drive in the tour the it would drive in the tourism industry for Flavortown, USA. 
Um, I'm already like I'm waiting to get a shirt that says Flavor Town USA. I think it, yeah, it would be like a tourism beacon. It would be it would oh, be a crazy absolutely. spot. I don't think they're going to do it because it's going to cost millions and millions to replace the names for everything from like because you have to replace it from like buildings all the way down to like stationary. So I don't think they're actually going to do it, but they could like change the Columbus to somebody else. It doesn't have to be after Christopher Columbus. They could change it to. I don't know another Columbus, but um, that's, you know, yeah, that's I, point. I don't live there, so I don't need to worry about it. That's very true. But I think, yeah, they should kind of have like it as like a nickname. Flavortown is the nickname because I think it is. It would bring in so much more tourism. People, I would want to buy a shirt. You would. You already said you wanted to buy a shirt, and I think it would be you know a fun way. I think even what the petition says is like you know it's twofold. It's Columbus, Ohio is also a good food spot. You know, so why not honor? It definitely better represents the city, I would think. So, yeah, I think it'd be a great idea. I think, that, you know, they could implement it slowly as they replace new Over things. time. They can just yeah. put the new name in. That is one possibility. Uh, Sam, Flavortown aside, we've been seeing of late statues being taken down, whether that be of Columbus or of Confederate leaders who, by the way, if people need to be reminded, the Confederate lost. Sam, should statues of controversial historical figures be removed it's another good question very good question very controversial question right now many are talking about within you know their families within the media you know the answer is yes i think they should be removed um it might depend on how controversial they are and according to who um i think controversial is a very it's not an objective term necessarily i think we should be memorializing people that you know, actually hold the values of, you know, our society. Statue of Guy Fieri in Flavortown, USA <laughs> would be great. They're talking about maybe having a print statue, you know, outside the Minnesota State Capitol instead of a Columbus statue. They're talking about a Dolly Parton statue in Tennessee rather than whatever controversial, terrible person it would replace. You know, statues should be used to, again, you know, show people, you know, who we value, what our values are. A lot of countries or a lot of people in power, you know, use it for the opposite reason. A lot of people will use statues to show who's in power, to show oh, who's oppressed. One thing that's interesting about a lot of the Confederate, you know, statues and monuments is they weren't actually put up right after the Civil War or during the Civil War. They were put up a few years after during like the Reconstruction period and the Jim Crow period. To show people like, hey, we're still in power, exactly. you're still oppressed. And if you look at countries like Russia, the former Soviet Union, there were Lenin statues. Those got toppled by people, but no one is upset about that. They think that's a good thing. So I think we really need to challenge ourselves of our biases and we really need to, to think, you know, well, should we have a... Should we have a Jeffrey Dahmer statue in Wisconsin? Uh, he's a notorious, you know, figure. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. um, it's our heritage. Yada yada. Well, no, he's a serial killer. Yeah. No, I mean the same applies to uh, Christopher Columbus. He was a serial killer. Why do we have a statue of him? It doesn't make sense. Um, if you look at like North Korea, if there's a statue of Kim Jong Un, I don't think that's a really great statue because he's not a great guy. Should we have a statue of Lee Harvey Oswald in Dallas? <laughs> no, we shouldn't. He's you know famous, not uh -huh. for the right thing. That would be toppled in seconds. Uh, it wouldn't even be put up in the first place. The Saddam Hussein statue got toppled. I'm pretty sure a lot of Americans were happy when that happened. You know, the will of the people overcame, and you know they they toppled it. So I think. Uh, we really need to to think about the context of this. And I know people, you know, want to say it's our history. We shouldn't destroy it. Uh, we should learn from it. 
Well, that's true. Uh, we should be. I think you can easily put them in a museum for people to, you know, see. Um, they shouldn't be out in front of the people's house in front of a capital because that's not welcoming to everybody. And our government and our the people's house should be welcoming to people. I think you nailed it on. You nailed the head. You nailed the nail on the head. I don't. Sure. You know. It's my show. I can say whatever. <laughs> but I think I think you uh, nailed it because, yeah, exactly. I don't think these statues should be up, but as I think they should not be destroyed. I think destroying them is the wrong way to go about it. I think they should be put in, you know, museums in 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 the context of what they were. As I think you described it perfectly, like having them out in the open in front of capitals, it's a sign of a power for what that person stood for. And, you know, if it is, you know, a Confederate leader, a Confederate general, obviously they stood for something completely different than what America or the direction America went. So you're basically saying, I'm supporting something that is not supported by the country. I think, yeah, I think one thing that's really interesting to kind of think about is like a lot of military bases are named after Confederate like generals. Mm -hmm. Why do we have bases of the United States of America, the Union? Named after people that wanted to succeed from the union. You know, they were, they're fighting for what they believed in. You know, I can see maybe that argument. Uh, I don't really agree with what they were fighting for. Um, I don't think many people do. So, like, it doesn't make sense. Why should we have that? Well, that kind of goes to that question, you know, like, how do we find controversial historical figures and how, how far back are they okay to do what they did? You know, because right. you look at someone like Genghis Khan, who decimated, you know, Asia, but a lot of people look up to him as a great leader, as a great general because of what he was able to do. But I'm sure people in his, their, in his time were like, nah, fuck that guy. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> He's pretty much taking over most of the world. You know, you look at people like Alexander who marched all over the Middle East and killed a bunch of people. A lot of people look up to him. They call him Alexander the Great. You know, you look at Augustus Caesar, you look at Napoleon, you know, if we're saying those guys are controversial, this is going to be very controversial. How many years until someone like Hitler isn't controversial? Yeah, that's a hot take right there. And I think, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and I think when we talk about you know military bases being named after these generals, what they did on the battlefield and the strategies they did were you know top of the class. That's why they were generals. But as you said, what they were fighting for doesn't match up with where the country is now. So why are we naming them or why are we naming these, you know, bases, these, you know, buildings, these stadiums after people that don't agree with where we are now as a country? And it's it's the perfect time to, you know, I would understand if there's nothing going on, people are like, we're just going to change this. But now is the perfect time where it's like, it makes sense to change it in this moment. So why not do it? And kind of going back to my point on, you know, taking these moments, taking these statues, taking these monuments, putting them in museums and teaching people who this person was, what they contributed to history, why they matter now. Because I think, you know, as someone who loves history, the most important thing is to not repeat history. And I think we do that by educating people on the losers of history. We have a history written by the union and that's where we are today. But, you know, as we see in politics today, both sides have good things that they're fighting for. Obviously, the Confederates were fighting, you know, they may have not had, they may have had a very small percent of good things, but I'm sure there are things that you could kind of look at and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I don't know too much about the Civil War, so I can't, you know, bring up any examples. But it's a good time, especially now, to teach people about the history, reteach the history, you know, 
reteach who Christopher Columbus was, talk about the massacres that have happened in the US that aren't reported on, you know, Tulsa massacre. This is the perfect time to take these statues of people like Christopher Columbus, take them down, put them in a museum and build the story about why in today's time, what they did was wrong. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. We really do have an opportunity here and we sh- definitely shouldn't waste it. You know, we have an opportunity to to make the change we want to see. And I do think your question about, you know, how do we decide what's controversial is a really good question. And it's a really hard question. Um, it's a very complex question. I mean, you could look at someone like Abraham Lincoln. One thing that a lot of people don't know, and this is like a Minnesota little, little factoid, in Minnesota, in Duluth, occurred the largest mass hanging, mass ex- execution in U.S. history. 38 Native Americans were were hung. They were hung in Duluth, Minnesota. And, you know, Abraham Lincoln had to sign off on that. And he was the one that, that signed off on that. He might not have been as aware of what he was signing off on, but he did sign off on it. You know, people can argue he wasn't that great of a guy if he signed off on the mass hanging of Native Americans. Well, I think that's the thing you really have to start thinking about when you talk about historical figures. We can't just like pick and choose. That's like the Bible. We can't just pick and choose on what we like and then, you know, all the other things that are like, well, you know, probably shouldn't talk about that. Even like someone like George Washington, he owned slaves. Like you kind of have to decide, is it fair to judge the people of yesterday by yesterday's standards or today's standards, because obviously, you know, we've had this discussion many times on the podcast, like the words like gay and homo and fag and stuff like that. People were using that so often in the early 2000s because that's what everyone was doing, you know, not saying it's right now, but are we judging somebody like George Washington in today's standards where obviously we know slavery was very wrong when back then that was part of society. Yeah, it's a really, you know, hard thing to figure out. I mean, is it a no tolerance? Is it a balance? I don't have the answer. It is a hard answer to figure out. Um, I mean, even someone like Gandhi, who was known for, you know, peaceful protests and whatnot, apparently he was a racist to some people. Um, and he had some sexual things going on. Right, too. exactly. Ulysses S. Grant, who was, uh, you know, the big uh, general during the Civil War, he also wasn't that great towards Native Americans. He got his, I think it was his eulogy, was given by Frederick Douglass. It's, again, that's hard. That's a hard balance. That's a hard thing to figure out. Um, people are tearing down Grant statues for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I think the key is to have conversations and to come to a consensus and to make sure like everyone's at the table in these decisions um, and to make sure that, you know, a clear process about how these things get removed or how these things get put up in the first place is really, really important. I mean, even with the University of Minnesota, Kaufman Union, Kaufman, you know, was a racist and that's a hard conversation that the university is having. So these things come up, whether it's a a big context or a small context. I mean, if you're naming anything after anyone, whether it's a plot of land, whether it's a building, whether it's you're putting up a statue, you have to be very careful and you may have to make sure that everyone's included in those conversations. Even land, like the thought of naming land is really a big no-no for people in the Native American community because you just don't do that. Like it's, it's... it's the land. It's the people's land. No, I definitely, I, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I just kind of wanted to bring, you know, kind of the devil's advocate because I think, yeah, it's important. I think it's important that we have the conversations and figure out, you know, what's more than, or what's what's to the point where we tear down the statues and what's to the point where we honor these people as historical figures that made our world a better place. And 
you know, kind of bringing it back to Christopher Columbus, you know, why do you believe Christopher Columbus is continually taught as a hero in U.S. history? We have to look at who's kind of what you referred to before, who's making these statements, who's referring to these people as, you know, quote, heroes, end quote. And often it's, you know, white people that are make, writing the textbooks that are doing this that right. don't have- Rich, white, wealthy people. Exactly. I guess wealthy and rich are the same thing. So yeah. I think it's important to take a hard look at K-12 education and education in general and make sure that we have the facts right when we're teaching people. I was like thinking about the answer to this question and Americans love to create unnecessary heroes. The idea that, you know, the First Amendment, the freedom of speech, the freedom to believe in what you want to believe creates unnecessary heroes because it's like, well, I can believe in this person. I stand with them. They're my hero. You know, I'm sure someone like you mentioned Jeffrey Dahmer, I'm sure someone looked up to Jeffrey Dahmer as a hero and America allows you the opportunity to do so. But I think you get situations like Christopher Columbus where it's easy, it's easier to make him a hero because of what he could stand for, for America and the building blocks of America, you know, uh, seven, 600, 600 years ago, 650 years ago, rather than, you know, treating him as a villain and being like, well, America was started by this guy who killed people, put them into slavery, raped women, you know, threw babies under rocks to kill them, all these horrible, horrible things. Mm -hmm. But it's easier to say, well, America's not that way. Exactly. I mean, that's, you got it right on the head. Um, it's, a lot easier to just accept it and move forward rather than have to go back and change it. Um, so when it comes down to it, the people in power, the people who are making these decisions don't have to think about these things. They don't, it doesn't affect them. Whereas the people that are, that were and are oppressed, it does affect them. And I, th I think that's something we have to, we have to take into account. It's a lot easier to not think about something that doesn't necessarily affect you. Yeah. When you're the big guy, you're not going to worry about what's hiding in the woods where the small guy is. But right. as the big guy, if you want to create this community, you also have to look out for that small guy. Uh, Sam, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective on some of the strangest and most interesting news stories the world has to offer in a productive and meaningful conversation. Listeners, if you would like to connect with Sam, you can do so by following him on Twitter at srosemark. Once again, that's at srosemark on Twitter. Or as I said, if you want to be a, you know, be a bit more professional about it, you, you can do so by connecting with him on LinkedIn at Samuel James Rosemark. And as always, those links will be included in the description of this episode and available under Sam's episode on our website, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Once again, www.watercoolertalkpod.com. Uh, Sam, much of this episode, you know, we been trying to keep to the positives of what's happening in the United States moving forward. Uh, you know, in your own personal life, what are some positives moving forward? We talked about the positives in between episodes. Now we're talking about the positives moving forward. Good question and something that's always good to reflect on. Um, one positive more near term is I'm looking forward to going on, you know, a vacation camping trip up north in Minnesota uh, with the family. So that'll, that'll be nice to get away, uh, be in nature. Is that with our family? No, it's not with our we're family. We're not doing that anymore. We're not. All right. Well, I don't think we ever did that. But I think we're planning on it. It was a rough plan. But anyway, oh. sorry to interrupt. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's okay. This is on, on my dad's side, 4th okay. of July. And more longer term, I'm looking forward to, you know, being back on campus, um, starting my senior year of college. Kind of bittersweet. Um, I'm happy that we'll be back on campus um, in a safe way, but it'll be nice to be back with friends and it'll be nice to to graduate and kind of figure out the next step. Senior year of college was my favorite year of college as well. Oh, was it, Adam? <laughs> uh, as always, thank you to all my listeners for listening to another episode of Water Cooler Talk, the only such podcast on the internet hosted by myself and guest hosted today by Sam. 
where we take these strangest and most interesting real-life news stories from around the world and just try and have a good old conversation about some of the ideas discussed in those bizarre news stories. And once again, ladies and gentlemen, if you'd like to reach out to the show with a local news story or if you just want to share some of your own comments, you can do so at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. And you can now find all of our content centralized on our website at www.watercoolertalkpod.com from any of the links mentioned in an episode, past episodes, social media posts, and much, much more. Sam, you have been here before. You know the guest closes out the show. The the floor is yours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, thanks so much for for the show, Adam. I think we covered a lot of really really great topics and brought up a lot of interesting points that it's important for people to consider. As people celebrate the 4th of July, I think it's really important to reflect on, you know, that day, what that day meant. We founded this nation, fought for this nation to be founded in order for everyone to have individual liberty, to have freedom, to be free from persecution. Those ideals that we were founded on are still being searched for today for a lot of people, for a lot of Americans. People shouldn't be afraid about, you know, being profiled while they're walking down an aisle in the store. People shouldn't be afraid about being profiled while they're driving home after work. That ideal of free from persecution, individual liberty it's still being searched for today. And I think it's important to reflect on that and to also think, you know, how this how this country was founded in a pursuit of those ideals and a pursuit of happiness. There was a revolution. Um, I'm by no means calling for, you know, a violent <laughs> revolution at all. I want to make that very clear. You know, property was destroyed. Tea was thrown off a boat. People were mad that, you know, they, they didn't have equal representation. So a lot of those things are still things we're trying to figure out today. And, you know, it's growing pains and we're starting to figure it out. The founding of this country was, you know, it was a grand experiment, as they said. We're still figuring it out. We're still growing. So um, I encourage people to, to think about, you know, what the ideals of this country are and to make sure that this country is living out those ideals. And one way to do that, to make sure that happens is, you know, please make sure to vote whoever you vote for, whoever you want to support, whatever party you want to support, make sure you go do that. Make sure you exercise your right to vote. People hear your voice. Because if we do that, uh, ideally, the the prevailing direction that we want this country to go will will, will come out. Um, please do vote. Well, those are the wise words of Samuel J. Rosemark. All right, ladies and gentlemen, until next time, peace. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not. Because they're real. What an episode, what a guess, what a time. Thank you once again to Sam for joining us in the studio to talk about those strange and interesting news stories. You can follow Sam on Twitter by heading to at S Rosemark. Once again, that's at S Rosemark on Twitter. Or connect on LinkedIn at Samuel James Rosemark. Also make sure to support Sam's charity of choice for today's episode, Rock the Vote. All it takes is five dollars, the price of a coffee, or you know what? Based on my location, the price of a French onion soup at Applebee's uh, to help make a difference. And of course, helping out can be even as easy as telling a friend about a new cause around the water cooler, wherever those water coolers may appear. But anyways, to the corrections. In the first story discussing 80% of the U.S. population believing the U.S. to be out of control, to update you fine listeners on the approval ratings for the U.S. President Donald Trump as the day of this episode's release, Donald Trump has an approval rating of 40.5%. Oh, 
And finally, from the first story, specifically for our U.S. audience, the $600 unemployment benefit ends the final pay period of July. That means some people may be getting more than others, depending on your uh, unemployment pay schedule. I know for me, mine ends the 25th. As for this episode, much of it, uh, we did focus on the issues happening in the U.S. You know, as a podcast, we continue to grow our domestic audience here in the U.S., but we still have a majority international audience. So I am interested to hear how your countries are doing in response to the the, the financial response of COVID-19. So make sure to email us at watercoolertalkpod at gmail.com. In the second story discussing (laughs) Flavortown, Ohio and the atrocities of Christopher Columbus, Sam mentioned Christopher Columbus being a serial killer. Uh, He was actually a mass murderer. Uh, yes, we we are that petty here in the corrections. Uh, Sam also corrected himself after the episode. The hanging of the 38 Dakota in Minnesota approved by Abraham Lincoln happened in Mankato, uh, not Duluth, as he mentioned in the episode. And finally, I thought it might be insightful to add part of the eulogy Frederick Douglass read during the uh, the funeral of Ulysses S. Grant as an example of just the difficulty in deciding how we define controversial historical figures. In the eulogy, Douglass says, A man too broad for prejudice, too human to despise the humblest, too great to be small at any point. In him, the Negro found a protector, the Indian a friend, a vanquished foe a brother, an imperial nation a savior. Uh, So those are, I don't, I mean, just, I thought they're interesting words to think about, and I hope uh, you feel the same way about them after our conversation here with Sam. All right, Water Coolians, that's another Corrections Corner. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to another episode of this fabulous, fabulous show here, Water Cooler Talk. Once again, thank you to Sam for coming into the studio and talking about some of the strangest and most weirdest news stories the world has to offer. And then a show update for the month of July, Water Cooler Talk will be on its summer break. During that time, old episodes will be reposted with updated and improved audio. So if you're a new 2020 listener of the podcast, you'll, you know, you'll get a chance to relive some of those moments that, uh, that really helped define the early episodes of the show. But don't fret, we will be back with new episodes every Tuesday. That's right, we are moving to Tuesday to finish out 2020. So a brand new episode of Water Cooler Talk will be ready for your ears August Fourth, we have some um, amazing guests lined up that I am so excited for you guys to hear. And I'm happy to announce, in addition to this break, uh, this break actually will allow me to figure out the workflow for our new deep dive series where we take a strange and interesting topic and go in a bit more depth about uh, just the who's, the what's, the how's, the where's, the when's, the such's, um, all, all, all those little fun things about the strange and interesting things going on in our world. Uh, you know, it, you know, as far as workflow, it's a solo produced show here, so I just don't know how, how much time the research will take, the recording, the sound editing, um, the voiceover, just all those things. I don't. I just don't know how long it'll take for this series, so I want to take the month to kind of figure that out and to be able to come back and to be able to come back in August and have a efficient streamlined workflow for the new series there, along with also keeping up consistency with water cooler talk episodes with guests uh you know and just to give you a little sneak peek on what we might be covering on the first episode of the deep dive series the first episode will focus on the overton window so eh, google it find out what it is or maybe just wait till the episode comes out 
and kind of kind of unplanned. Uh, if you enjoyed, you know, if you really enjoyed the conversation from this episode, a lot of those similar ideas that Sam and I covered will be covered in the deep dive series for the Overton window. So I don't know, worked out perfectly there for me. But anyways, that's your corrections. That's your episode. So get out of here and don't come back until August 4th. This is the story of a podcast that takes weird news from across the world. And while many of these stories may seem fake, they're absolutely not because they're real.